Hello, this is Tom Bassadilly from TBDA. You're listening to WCGO Radio 1590 and 95.9 Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Well, I've been a hunter all my life. I love animals. That's why I like to kill them. Animals like. Good day, Roy. How can we spin a tough, fearless backwoodsman who have chosen to live in a violent, unrelenting world of nature's creatures where only the fittest survive? Today, they are off to hunt mosquitoes. Mosquito is a clever little bastard. You can track him for days and days until you really get to know him like a friend. He knows you're there, and you know he's there. It's a game of wits. You hate him, then you respect him, then you kill him. Suddenly, it's the mosquito they're after. Now, more than ever, they must rely on these skills they have learned from a lifetime's hunting. Hank gauges the wind. Roy examines the mosquito's spore. Then... <laughs> it's a success. The mosquito is dead. But Roy must make sure. There's nothing more dangerous than a wounded mosquito. Wherever there is a challenge, Hank and Roy Spim will be there, ready to carry on the primordial struggle between man and inoffensive tiny insects. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green gardening and environment radio flavored with a dash of humor welcome to intelligent irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on your questions comments and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611 good planets are hard to find temperate zones and tropic climes true currents and thriving seas Wind blowing through breathing trees Strong ozone and safe sunshine Well, good planets are hard to find Good planets are in the main This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts Every tree needs a champion Go to Bartlett.com Jet streams, perfect air And here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. With the single exception that uh, I am Peggyless this morning, it is just Mike Novak on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And Peggy uh, will join us again next week, but uh, she ain't here. <laughs> Right now, and I learned the lesson of hard, my hard, uh, my lesson the hard way, setting up the show because uh, I can't believe I, uh, what all the stuff that Peggy does when we set up the show. I'm not seeing the Facebook stream, guys. Are we? Are are we up on there, uh, Ellie? Because I've refreshed a bunch of times on, uh, and so I'm just asking. I'm not, I'm going to let it go, but I I don't see it. 
So uh, if we're there, because we were going to try a new stream today, we're trying a new trick. Andrew has got us uh, on a, a different program, and um, it's in the middle of a thunderstorm here, and that's the other thing. I am soaked like a rat, uh, just dragging in stuff from outside into the studio. So no Peggy, I'm wet. We're not on Facebook. What else could possibly go wrong this morning? Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I've got a couple of people in the studio right now. Um, and no, I had somebody write a comment on Facebook, uh, family reunion. No, that is not what's happening here. However, the two people in the studio are named, well, they pronounce it Nowak which is barbaric, actually, <laughs> if you ask me. Novak. Come on. Come on. We all know it's Novak, okay? Well, Just, uh, I, I, well historically, we were barbarians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Tom Novak. It's really hard for me to say that, Tom. Uh, Tom Novak and Julie Novak is sitting opposite him. Uh, and, yes, they are related uh, uh, by by contract, right? Yep. Exactly. That's right, by legal contract. Uh, but they're talking about different things on the show today. Uh, and so I, I brought them into the studio right away because Peggy's not here, and I mm -hmm. just need people in front of me. I just, I need an audience. I, I can't perform without an audience. Um, and t uh, Tom is here, and he's going to start the deal today Um talking about you know we talk gardening the environment we say green living this is the green living part where you take your money and you figure out how to use it wisely how to put it into responsible funds and to grow it so that it's doing you're doing it sustainably and that's why tom's here and we'll explain that tom was here uh several years ago when peggy and i were still at pirate radio Arr. Pirate radio. And um, and and I got to ask you, was somebody sleeping in the hall that day when you came into the studio? I have no idea. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think it was a good day. That was... <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Julie will be here later, and uh, she will be talking about our Congress and passing laws about climate change. Oh, thank you. That's better. Uh, oh, it's... Oh, okay. We're going to turn that mic during the break. Okay. And then finally, at the end of this first hour here, you're going to like this. Jumping worms. I posted a thing about jumping worms and the threat to America, and people got really weird on me. So jumping worms are going to happen also. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki without Peggy Malecki. If you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. Unfortunately, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in-ground trees. There's still a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypress and dawn redwoods. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes, such as weeping, mounding, columnar, or angular. Like I said, these are not your grandfather's conifers. If you've been to the Shedd Aquarium, the Lincoln Park Conservatory, or the Chicago Botanic Garden, you've seen some of these fantastic trees. Go to Rich's Foxwillow Pines for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e-newsletter. 
What happens when you bring together hundreds of people from diverse faiths and walks of life across Illinois and the Midwest with the goal of healing the earth? You get the Green Team Summit, which celebrates the 20th anniversary of Faith in Place. This important gathering happens on Saturday, September 14th at the Field Museum in Chicago. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will be there. We want you to join us to fight for environmental justice. Go to faithinplace.org. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. All right, everybody get ready here. Get your whistling together. One of the things I've noticed lately is that there's whistling has made a comeback in popular music, and I'm not exactly sure why. People like to whistle in songs. It's as if uh, Bing Crosby were back with us, right? It's the Mike Novak Show without Peggy Malecki this morning, and I'm very pleased to have in the studio with me uh, Tom Nowak and Julie Nowak, but Julie, you just chill for a little bit. She's... She's sitting in the, the Peggy slot there so that I, I can be reassured and not, and not collapse into a heap here. Uh, but I want to start with uh, Tom here. Uh, uh, Tom is uh, a CFP, uh, which I assume means Certified Financial Planner. It does. Um, founder and principal of Quantum Financial Planning, LLC, a fee-only financial planning and registered investment advisory firm. Um, and it was funny. I was looking at my notes when you were on the show back in 2016. It was May of 2016 when we were at pirate radio and, um, I didn't even know what it meant. Uh, fee only financial planning. Um, and it, 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 it's pretty simple. It makes sense, but perhaps you want to explain that. Sure. Um, uh, traditionally, uh, a lot of financial, Service providers have been paid by commissions, so, you know, so they'll so they'll get a commission that you may or may not realize that's hidden into the product that they sell. Yeah, a fee only is is a is a model where uh, y- you know exactly what the fee is uh, right up front. There is no commissions. Um, it's theoretically more objective that way. There are two types of fee only: folks that charge the one or two percent or half a percent of fee on your overall assets per year, and mm-hmm. then there's people like me that just charge by the hour or a retainer based on hourly time. Yeah, but they're both fee only. Those types. Okay, what's the advantage of each? I I would imagine that there is incentive for a broker with a with a uh, when they get a cut. Of what you so it exactly. behooves them to have you do well, right? Um, well, is the my, uh, again? I'm going to be biased on the hourly model, okay? Uh, because that's your model. Because that's my model. But uh, when when you get a percentage of product that you sell, you're basically um, you, you're a carpenter with a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. So <laughs> I have so many things on the shelves. Right. There are other things on other people's shelves I can't tell you about. Otherwise, I don't get paid. So there's, there's an inherent conflict with that kind of model. 
Um, my own personal problem with the um, assets under management model is uh, somebody that might have a million dollars is paying 1%, say 10000 per year, whether they talk to you 15 minutes per year or uh, 15 hours. So, ah, so it's, that's it, true. It's kind of like real estate. You pay your 6% fee whether the house sells in one day or two years. So once they've got you, it's, it's like uh... – no offense to all you lawyers out there. You make a phone call and you just got billed 120 bucks, regardless of how long the phone call is or whatever the fee, their fee is. If it's if it's assets under management, it's it's a it's a um, it's a percentage of assets whether you use the service or not. Yeah, uh, I I actually more like a lawyer model where uh, if if a person uses one hour of my service, that's all they pay for. If they use five hours, that's all they pay for. So so uh, hourly fee only. Um, more like an attorney. Yeah. All right. Well, then I, I see where that makes sense. Unless, and, and unless it's a contingency. You're getting what you pay for, and that's yes. um, that's the difference. Exactly. Maybe that's the way we should put it. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and the reason Tom's here today is because, as I said, this is a Green Living show, and uh, he's written a couple of books. We'll give you an idea uh, of where he's coming from. Uh, one is called Low-Fee Socially Responsible Investing, and the other is Low-Fee Vegan investing. And one of the things you explained to me three years ago, <laughs> um, and this is how often we meet, uh, is that vegan investing actually sort of fits very neatly into my life. And to a lot of people who are looking for responsible investing, they would think, oh, no, that sounds really fringy. But it actually, vegan investing is not fringy at all, is it? Well, uh, surprisingly, uh, some interesting things have happened in the last three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yes, okay. So yes, I'm getting is, – yes. is, am I paying for this right now? That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a loophole that you have to get free advice and give your, give your audiences free yeah, advice. Yeah, for all of you out there, general. get yourself a radio show <laughs> and then invite the financial guy on. Okay. Exactly. But, but – um, uh, if you don't mind, let me explain a couple of things that happened that you'll be particularly interested in. Sure. Let's go for it. Okay. Uh, when I was on the show three and a half years ago, yeah. you also had somebody else on the show from Ethos Investing. Yes. Yes, e- we Etho. did. And they have an exchange-traded fund. It's kind of like a mutual fund. A right. Ba- a basket of stocks. And um, uh, it's a it's sustainable group of stocks. It, it It addresses things like climate change and a lot of the seven deadly sins out there and stuff like that. So it's a very interesting fund. There are a whole bunch of other funds of full disclosure or a disclaimer. I'm not saying, you know, buy this or anything like that. I'm just saying right. in general. Can, can we say that in general right now? Anything yes. that Tom says here yes. is not financial advice. It's right. just his accumulated wisdom. There we go. Yeah. And so what's, what's interesting, and I don't get, you know, I don't get, uh, there's a, there are a whole bunch of great players out there, but Etho, I took a look this morning to see how Etho as a, as a, Fund has been doing in the last three and a half years. All right. Okay. And people will say sustainable investing, well, I'm going to lose money because all these goody two shoes. Because all the money's in oil, as we know. You, you right? know well, it's, it's not in oil. And oil's going to make a lot of money, right? But, but it doesn't. So, Etho. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying you, that sounded contradictory. Is, uh, oil stocks haven't been doing well lately. For the last three years or so, not so well. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Not so well, uh, because people have been divesting away from oil. Yeah, and um, oil uh, usage is is slightly going down. Uh, mm-hmm. Believe it, from what their projections were, how they were priced in. So, so they're not doing that well now. Could they come back? 
I hope not because that means climate change is going to be a problem. <laughs> I hope not either. Otherwise, we won't truth. be here to yeah. talk about it. No. But ETHO, just to give you an example, of three and a half years ago, uh, if you look at the S&P 500, which is a benchmark that uh, all financial people use as a, as a kind of a, a touchstone, is up 38% from three and a half years ago. Uh, now, the market's been flat for the last year and a half, but from, from three and a half years people, ago. People, you, you, you wouldn't know that from what comes out of Washington, that the market has been flat for the year, last year and a half. No, no. You, might, you would say you only greatest the greatest economy days. ever is yes. what you're hearing. Okay? Exactly. All right. So over the last three and a half years, it's, it, the, the index is 38% up. Now, what has ETHO done since that time? Yeah. 53%. So had had you been listening to the broadcast, talked to your financial advisor, done the research, and and bought that instead of the S and P five hundred, you'd be fifty three percent up instead of thirty eight percent up. So it's it's an example, uh, just not so random because we talked about it on the show yeah. of what the power of sustainable investing can be if your worldview matches what happens in reality. If your worldview is a little early or doesn't, uh, doesn't match what happens in reality, well, then you could underperform the index. So it's really you're putting your money where your mouth is, basically. If, if you think that this is where the world is going, that's one way to do it. Now, you mentioned vegan, vegan investing. Um, three and a half years ago was shortly after I wrote the book, and, and I said there's no way to, to really easily uh, – exclude meat and dairy from your portfolio if you were a vegan or or vegetarian that wanted to or or just somebody that felt the world was going that way because of all the csas out there and all the 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 green mics out there you know encouraging <laughs> there, there, people there's to only eat one okay, okay as far as i know <laughs> okay right, just okay. letting you know okay well is uh, uh it, there is a exchange traded fund in sep- let's see september 9th is going to be launched VEGN. It's a vegan index fund, climate vegan index. Huh. So if you want to divest from fossil fuels as well as meat, dairy, animal rights type situations and what have you, there's going to be an exchange traded fund launched. It, it was supposed to be launched earlier this year. It got delayed. So basically it allows folks with a worldview uh, in that arena to say, Hey, I like that too. So a person could look at a whole bunch of things out there. Uh, Vanguard has a relative. All right, when you, you know, say, okay, you know. let's stop there, though. Yeah, Pe- yeah. People can look at a whole bunch of things, and I will let folks know that you yeah. gave me some websites uh, for them to look at, which I have put on my blog. You go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. It might be, you might pronounce it MikeNovak.net. It's possible. Um and uh, you'll see these links to various mutual funds. You've, uh, there's an organization called the U.S. Social Investment Forum. Uh, and uh, you gave me a document from that, that, which I also put up on the blog. Tell me about the importance of the U.S. Social Investment Forum. Okay. They've been around for a number of years. And um, uh, folks like, like, like your, like your um, audience can look up on their website different mutual funds that have different flavors of sustainable investing, different themes that might align with their worldview. Uh, So they'll give you the ticker symbols of those funds. They'll give you the performance uh, of those funds. They'll give you the, um, what those funds screen for. So you can see that, okay, you know, might you might be okay with alcohol? I might not be. You know, and so I want to screen out alcohol. You so you can get the, you can do it that that finely. You, uh, you can find a because fund. I remember yeah. back in the day when yeah. like 
20 years ago or mm-hmm. whatever and, and trying to invest and people go, well, you really don't know what's in the mutual fund. You just got to accept what's there. It, has that changed? Is There's always going to be um, an achievement towards perfection. It's, you have to let good not, you know, or, or, or perfect not be the enemy of the good. There's always going to be any fund that you have that has more than one holding is going to possibly have something that's going to disappoint you on, on, on a given day. So you have to have a little bit of, 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 uh, of flexibility. But on the, on the most part, things have gotten better so, and so better pure, and better and pure, better. So purity uh, is not necessarily going to help you in this case. If you get it, – it basically, if it's an all-or-nothing approach and you'll say, well, I'll just stick with all kinds of garbage and stuff like that, I'm okay with that because it's not perfect, then, yeah, sustainable investing isn't for you. If it's kind of like, well – I want to do the best I can, yeah. and I'm willing willing to uh, uh, to be a little flexible. Then, then it could be very, very helpful for you. All right. By the way, that's uh, Tom Nowak. Yes, it's spelled N O W A K. Um, he is the founder and principal of Quantum Financial Planning LLC. I've got that link on uh, my website as well, but it is quantumfinancialplanning.com. That's how how easy that is. Um, all right, so what do you say to people who look at this and say it's so I mean look, let's put it this way. Investing is not for sissies, really, um, in in a certain way because it's complex. Uh, even now that you have more choices, that actually creates more problems because you have more choices. It's harder to make a decision than it used to be. Um, and I imagine there's some people who say, oh yeah, that that fund, uh, you know, that's for greenies and you really, it's not going to make any money for you. I mean, are we still getting that sort of, uh, advice out there? Um, and how do you wade through all the, the options you have? Okay. Well, is, as, as, as you may know from our, our last show, I I was, my first career was a scientist, you know, and yes, I meant to, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, you were a scientist. And And so was Julie's, right? Exactly. You guys, I I, I get a feeling this is where somebody might've met. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So we're both scientists. And what I say is, is investing isn't rocket science. You know, (laughs) Julie and I know what that might look like and it's not that. Um, So, so it's not rocket science is I think the industry at large wants to make you think and everybody think it is rocket science so it justifies higher fees and stuff like this but it can be it could be uh, as simple as as watching paint dry uh, you know uh, <laughs> and it's interesting and it's interesting uh, so you can pick something that is uh, low cost well diversified uh, gone fishing portfolio. The previous show was a fishing show. You know, uh-huh. so there's still people hanging on. You know, the fishermen. Could, We're going to actually could, talk about fishing could, in the next could, segment with too. Worms, when we talk worms. jumping, jumping worms. Exactly. Believe me, there's fishing. It's connected to it. It'll be fishy. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love. Where's my dinger? Okay, ding. It's, it's out. It's in the Peggy. Oh, Peggy's okay. night. Peggy, okay. get the dingers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so here's here's the thing. Uh, you mentioned a point about um, you know the complexity. It is. It doesn't have to be. With a little bit of guidance, folks, folk, you know, folks can find something that really kind of rhymes with their worldview. Something that they can set and forget. And they've got numbers to, to say. Here's the performance over the past five I'm, years, the past ten years. I'm, I'm glad you reminded me because almost everybody can go to yahoo.com finance you know find that find that site and plug in well a, i've got that linked also you gave that to me okay. as well you, you plug in the ticker symbol of of the investment that you're looking at and then you can well, what if you don't know the ticker symbol and you don't know what you're looking for yeah then you you probably maybe need a, f- a few minutes of financial advice or or if, ah, yeah, okay. 
Okay. Because if like you, like from Quantum, right? Yes, because it kind of like a ding. It, right. Yeah, it'd be kind of like me. It says, you know, Tom, you know, why don't you run the show today? Uh, I was going to say, what are all these buttons you're looking at there? You know, it, it wouldn't be good for me to run the show today. You know, uh, you know, we need an engineer and, and yourself, that type of thing. So, so sometimes you do need a little bit of guidance. You know, does that mean you can't? Uh, uh, well, that's get why there you're very here. Easily? No, and, and that's yeah. the important thing so, is that you have somebody like you to say, yeah. you know, there is a better way to do right. this, a more sustainable yes. way. And there are, you know, there are books out there. There's websites. That's why I like that US CIF website's a really good, good, handy place to start. Uh, there's a, a there's another site there that uh, talks about these uh, exchange traded funds like the Etho, like the what's going to be the vegan one. There's a Vanguard exchange traded fund that launched not that long ago, ESGV. Uh, that's a very broad based fund. Uh, Explain what ESGV is. Okay, ESGV is a ticker symbol, of course, but it, uh, Vanguard very cleverly chose the name because uh, ESG is environmental social governance. Uh, B for Vanguard. So environmental social governance is probably the most commonly used term now for sustainable investing because it's it's the broader tent and it's where most of the big banks are going. Uh, When we met a few years ago, one out of five dollars was screened for ESG, environmental social governance. Now it's one out of four. When we meet next time, it'll be one out of three. So it's a huge and momentum. And someday it needs to be one out of one. There, it's going there. It's going mainstream. All right. That's uh, Tom Nowak again. Uh, he's uh, from Quantum Financial Planning, LLC. The link is on my website. You can go to quantumfinancialplanning.com. Um when we come back, we'll just wrap this up, and then then we get right into jumping worms. It's it's an odd show today. It's the Mike Novak Show without Peggy Malecki, and I got to get my dingers. I'll be right back. <laughs> City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, wants to remove all barriers to your gardening success. How? By providing organic heirloom plants for your kitchen garden, pollinator-friendly natives and annuals, container planting to go. They deliver the plants, you put them in. Who does that? Classes for adults and kids, special events, and more. They even have complimentary valet parking on weekends. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. CityGrange.com. Learn. Shop. Blossom. Get out of your car and join the people of Evanston as they walk, bike, play, and celebrate green living in a car-free mile of Main Street on September 8th. Exercise classes, bike activities, music, interactive art, giant Jenga, Bollywood dance, and more. The Evanston Green Living Festival will be there with products, services, and ideas that encourage attendees to lead more sustainable lives. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is a sponsor. Go to evanstonstreetsalive.org or find them on Facebook. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. A Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. 
Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Meat and dairy, my taste good to you. You think they're part of a balanced, healthy diet. Well, there are several things that you ought to know that the industry tries to keep it quiet. They're full of hormones, poisons, antibiotics, too. Deadly bacteria is just a toxic stew. Can lead to heart disease, bone loss, cancer, too. So viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. All right, that's uh, Eco Elvis, and I was looking. He doesn't. He doesn't have anything on financial planning. So the best, the closest I could get to is good. Viva Las Vegans, yeah, that's uh, very good. in honor of your book, yeah. uh, Low F- No Fee Vegan. In whoa, I got to turn that off. They've got my computer on. Uh, low Fee Vegan Investing. Uh, Tom Nowak has also written Low Fee Socially Responsible Investing. The links are there on my website. Uh, by the way, I went out and got. All right, the dingers are here now. <sighs> And we're on Facebook on the Mike Novak Show. Are we on uh, Periscope as well there, uh, uh, Andrew? Uh, yeah. So we're on Mike Novak, which is Twitter and also Periscope. So uh, We're on uh, – so you can go to – If you, I don't know how many of you listening are even on Twitter or even ha- know about the video streaming on Twitter. It's called Periscope. You can download the app. We are streaming live on there. And next week we're adding YouTube, right, Andrew? Yes, it will be activated hopefully within 24 hours. It'll be activated As within 24 hours once we pass the background check. Right, exactly. okay. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to pass the background check. Uh, anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, without Becky Malecki today and with thunderstorms outside and with Tom Nowak in the studio here, uh, before I let you go, you wanted to bring up something else that folks might be interested when they're thinking about um, and do you use the terms interchangeably when, when I say responsible investing and sustainable investing? Is that the same thing, really? In, in most cases, it's just uh, easier to use a term that's familiar with folks. Um, there are nuances with any trade where, where you can slice and dice a little finer, and they do have finer definitions and stuff like that. But there's, there's a whole bunch of terms. Green but you investing. can tweak it a little you bit. You can tweak yeah. it. You yeah. can tweak it. Uh, you were talking – you wanted to talk about Morningstar before we get to uh, 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 jumping worms here on the Mike yes. Show. Yes. I just wanted – one other reference that's just out there for most folks is Morningstar.com. You know, a lot of folks that do, do any investing tracking and stuff like that are familiar with the Morningstar five-star rating, four-star ratings, three-star ratings for mutual funds and and stocks, things like that. And that's based on history. And then there's the Morningstar gold, silver, uh, bronze ratings. That's based on the quality of the management of the f- fine advisors. Well, Morningstar, since we met last, uh, has added a couple of years ago globe ratings. And these are sustainable investing ESG-type ah, screens. Okay. So it's really more data. So to your point about when are we going to be 100% ESG, right. Morningstar is 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 kind of a bellwether to show that that's really becoming mainstream when you've got Morningstar putting a lot of resources into evaluating companies and rating them based on their environmental, social, and governance factors. So the change is happening, uh, really uh, accelerating, because it's simply just extra good data to have on a company, whether it's more risky than an, a company that is is you know one's more risky, one's less risky. So it's it's just knowing whether they have an environmental problem, governance problem, uh, you know, social uh, con- you know conscious problem that's going to come back and bite them. All right, one more question, and then we'll get to Chris Evans. Uh, no, not that Chris Evans, the other Chris Evans. Um, 
with the stock market being, well, you said the last year and a half it's been basically flat. But within that time, it goes up uh, 400, it goes down 800, which happened just this week. Or actually, exactly. it went down 800 and then came yeah. up 400. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about that volatility? Is that something people should be paying attention to? Is, is they should be aware that uh, stocks are volatile. It's a good reminder that you, it's, you get risk-reward uh, type of situation and that stocks are really for the long term. If it's money that's 8, 9, 10 years is going to be spent then. If it's going to be spent for college two years from now, shouldn't be in the stock market. So it's a reminder of that and how it relates to sustainability is a lot of folks, if they're investing according to their worldview, they're more likely to hold a fund longer through thick and thin if it agrees with their worldview. So it's it's a good way to maintain that discipline because there is going to be that volatility that it's really a, a, a equities are for, are for the long term, not the short term. Keep that in mind uh, when we come to the end of the world in about 10 years, uh, you know. So make, make do your investing for 10 years just about the time the world ends and then cash out. And then you'll at least have some cash there, right? Well, if you put capital into, into the green things, you may, you may push that date out. You know, and that's the point, actually. It, that that is, you know, I, I say that the, the, that thing tongue in cheek about the end of the world, but the point is, maybe if you don't invest in the things that are that are causing climate change, that are leading to climate change, perhaps you as an investor. I mean, talk about a win-win situation. Exactly. You're making money and saving the planet at the same time. That's 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 a Powerful. really good deal. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it's very powerful. Tom Nowak, thank you very much. Again, go to quantumfinancialplanning.com. All right, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, In just 60 seconds, we will get to Chris Evans and the story of jumping worms. First, got a minute for your trees. Bartlett Tree Experts wants to tell you about tree topping. And no, I don't mean sprinkles. That's not the tree topping I'm talking about. I mean when the main trunk... Or all of the ends of branches on a tree are cut straight off the top. That's tree topping. When peop- while people sometimes do this to reduce the overall height of a tree, not a great idea. Uh, the practice of tree topping is never recommended. Okay, folks, don't do that. Why? Topping promotes decay, creates wounds that serve as an entry point for insects and disease. It produces rapid growth of water sprouts. The water sprouts or suckers sometimes we call them, and smaller remaining limbs are structurally insecure and greatly increase the likelihood of limb breakage and tree failure. Finally, topping removes a large portion of the tree's leaves. This decreases the tree's ability to produce energy through photosynthesis, weakening its vigor and starving the tree. And I'll add one of my own, it's ugly, just saying. The best way to avoid topping is to select the right tree in the right place, which is not as it can be difficult actually if you're not paying attention to the full grown size and height of the species in a few years and then you need to prune it properly from a young age let the bartlett tree experts help you with your pruning needs because every tree needs a champion go to bartlett.com and with that um we go to a guy who is a forester his himself and that is uh chris evans from the university of illinois extension how are you chris oh i'm fine how are you doing mike i'm fine now do you prefer chris or christopher 
Oh, Chris is fine. Chris, yeah. okay. And you're uh, Illinois Extension Forestry and Research Specialist in the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Science Sciences. Uh, so obviously, you know a lot about trees yourself, and you've probably seen your share of topped trees. Uh, unfortunately, yes. I think it's a plague on the landscape down here. <laughs> I don't know why people do that. I'm I For the life of me, I think... They get some idea that, well, you know, I'll just cut it off and then it'll, uh, it's too high. And they didn't, they didn't think about what they were planting in the first place. And, well, we can get into that. But the problem is today we are talking jumping worms because there was an article in the Chicago Tribune this past week. And I posted it on Facebook. Uh, and I got the weirdest responses, Chris, um, uh, about it. Everything from, oh, my goodness. Uh, what's going on to, hey, we can use that for fishing to, ah, everybody's knows about this already. What, what's the, what's the big deal? It's, I, I, it was all over the map, Chris. Uh, is that what you're getting as well? Yeah. You know, I think it's hard for people to think about earthworms as being damaging where, you know, they've heard all for their whole life that you want to add more earthworms or their benefits. So it's, it, you get a lot of weird reactions. All right, so let's let's go back to we'll 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 do a couple of minutes here and then we'll break and then we'll come back and finish it. But um, there's a there is a species out there that is commonly known as jumping worms, and they're the how do you pronounce it? Aminthus is that is that the uh, the genus or the species? Yep, that's right. Aminthus, A M Y N T H A S, and they uh, came from Asia. Why do all the bad things come from Asia when it comes to our gardens, Chris? I, I, I'm really trying to figure that out. Um, uh, but uh, so jumping worms, you guys, uh, well, Wisconsin noticed them in 2013. Uh, I guess Illinois noticed them in 2015 in the state. Is that right? Yeah. So Wisconsin found them first and then really started publicizing and getting information out and uh, it was so close to Illinois we decided that it was something we wanted to start looking for just to see where it was or even if we had it in the state mm-hmm. uh, and we do believe me and one of the things that was pointed out in the story and and uh, you can go to my website mikenovak.net there's a bulletin that uh, Illinois Extension put out that you are the co-author of about these jumping worms all right you know, when I see them, and, and believe me, uh, the photo on my blog today is a photo I took a couple of days ago in my backyard, and you confirmed it. You said, yep, you've got jumping worms, and they're in my backyard. So if they're in my backyard, they're pretty much in everybody's backyard in Chicago or a lot of backyards. Or maybe because I do a lot of planting, it's quite possible that I'm getting them first because I bring in a lot of different plant material. That that might be the case, right, Chris? You know, it really might be. Um, what we found is uh, I think they get shared around accidentally, either with people uh, moving mulch or compost or even plant material. You don't have to actually move the worm. Uh, their little cocoons, their little egg sacs um, are microscopic, so they can even be, you know, hanging on roots of plants. Wait, you're saying the, the egg sacs are microscopic? Almost. They're very small, um, and so you, you really can't detect them uh, in the soil. So it, you don't have to move an actual worm to move jumping worms. They can be kind of undetectable in soil or, or mulch. So right. People 
people move them around without even knowing it, yeah. What? And th- and that's the point you make in your articles and in other articles is that um you might not have worms uh in a pot or on a tool, but you might have the eggs and it's really easy to move them uh and the eggs survive the winter. The worms do not. They die uh when it gets too cold. Uh, but the eggs survive, and then you have a generation in the spring. Well, actually, not the spring. They don't even hatch until about June. Isn't that right, Chris? Well, they hatch a little earlier, but typically what we've seen is um, their population builds up enough that you start seeing them about mm. June. And, okay, okay. And one, of the interesting things, one, of the inter- one of the interesting things we're finding is uh, they actually live the winter in southern Illinois, but not northern Illinois. Uh-oh. All right, I've got a question about that too, and I've got some others. That's uh, <laughs> I've got so many questions about that. That's Chris Evans. He's a Illinois Extension Forestry and Research Specialist, uh, and uh, we'll be talking more about jumping worms when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show without Peggy Malecki. This is Mike Novak. If you're a sustainable business and you're not part of the McHenry County College Green Living Expo, my question is, what? It's McHenry County's largest annual green living event, but it's one of the best green events in the area. These folks get it. The energy is palpable. They're ready to change the world now with your help as a vendor or sponsor. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. Meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. Just so you uh, know, this is the sound of jumping worms in your soil and in your backyard. This is what happens when they get in there. And then you go inside. 
because you can't deal with them anymore. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, usually not with Peggy Malecki today. And we are talking to Chris Evans from the University of Illinois Extension. We're talking jumping worms. Uh, and there were there were uh, where uh, where do we leave off? Because I remember you were saying something that had me thinking. Uh, it was about overwintering and the eggs. Uh, I know. Uh, getting back to why jumping worms are a problem. Uh, it's not just the fact we haven't even talked about how they jump. I ca- I call them writhing worms, Chris, uh, because I've not actually seen them jump. Although uh, some people say they do. Uh, but if you touch them, they go nuts. They just start writhing like crazy or if you disturb them. And that's kind of the, the, the key for you knowing if you have them in your backyard. Um, what's the difference between jumping worms and traditional earthworms knowing? And I will explain, as you said earlier, earthworms are not native either. Earthworms were not here because they got wiped out by the Ice Age. And so the earthworms that we had here that we think of as our friends and people love in their gardens, they're not native either. So this is just another invasive population, isn't it, Chris? That's right. Most of the the earthworms that we have, uh, you know, been familiar with, those are actually European earthworms. And and these jumping worms are a little different. And the reason we're more worried about them, um, one, is that they tend to concentrate all of their feeding in that topmost layer. So they're in the top four inches or so of soil, and they live at population density sometimes up to 10 times more dense uh, than the, the other earthworms. Wow. And so they they just, uh, just because there's so many of them and they're concentrated right at the top, they just plow through the organic matter in the soil really fast. And, and as I noted in one of the articles, the earthworms that we're used to go up and down through the soil vertically, and whereas the jumping worms kind of stay at the top, and that's, uh, that allows them to cause more damage to, uh, well, to the leaf litter, to the duff in forests, and, and to the mulch in, in our gardens. Right, Chris? Right, yeah. So they, they, that top layer is where, as you know, most of the organic matter sits anyways. Uh, that's where the root zone for most of our plants are, and so they they cycle through that um, organic matter very quick, break it down super quick. And there's some interesting research out there. They're showing that um, a, a population of these jumping worms can reduce the forest litter, so the forest floor litter, you know, the leaves and the detritus, you know, by over eighty percent. I mean, they just eat through that um, wow. all that kind of bank of nutrients that we normally have. All right, I had somebody write when I posted this, they said, what's the problem? They're worms. They poop out the good stuff. They poop, they, you know, they, they, uh, they poop out organic matter that things grow in. Uh, so what's the story with that, Chris? So that's true. So what we found is um, when they, they feed through and they, they eat the organic matter, they do release a lot of nutrients very quickly. And so as they get in there, you actually get a flush of fertility, a flush of nutrients. But the form that that nutrient uh, is changed to is very mobile. So you actually get a lot of leaching following that. So you get a pulse of a lot of nutrients and then followed by a loss of, of nutrients in the soil uh, very quickly. So basically they're eating through that bank of fertility, that bank of nutrients, organic matter that a soil typically slowly releases over time. Instead, they pulse it all at once, and then it's 
it's gone. There's no there's no more in reserves. Uh, when you say they pulse it, uh, in what form and how is it? Disp- why does it disappear so quickly? Well, by breaking it down and, and changing it right away, it goes into um, you know the nitrogen is in a more mobile form that can be leached through water. So again, it it makes a lot of nutrients available very fast. But then, since it's not tied up in that kind of partially decomposed organic matter, uh, it it moves out through leaching. Okay, uh, what's the difference then uh, if I'm if I'm composting in my yard? I'm going to find red wigglers in there. I will find earthworms in there as well. I'll find all kinds of different critters, insects, and and other. Uh, animals in the compost pile. Uh, I, I say bugs, and I mean that as, as a, a, a you know, in a big picture, bugs meaning uh, insects and non-insects and 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 uh, arachnids and crawling things and pill bugs and centipedes and millipedes and all of that. Okay, so if I've got red wigglers in my compost. W- what kind of are they causing any problem in my yard too? Uh, and what happens if the uh, the jumping worms want to get into my compost pile, or will they get into the compost pile? Are they interested in that at all? Oh, they are definitely. And you know the the principles, the processes are the same. Basically, the red wigglers, the jumping worms, they're all eating the organic matter and then casting off their worm castings. The the problem is the scale. So jumping worms could certainly get into compost. Um, and they would, again, since they're such higher population densities, they're bigger worms, they feed more. It's just the scale of turning that into um, kind of processing that, that mulch is a lot quicker. And you talk to a lot of gardeners and they say they have a hard time keeping mulch on top of some of their beds because um, the worms just cycle through it so quickly. Uh, when, when they say that, are they, are they, they're not talking about wood chips, are they? I, I assume they're talking about compost as mulch. Right. Yes. Compost is mulch. They probably they won't necessarily eat wood chips and things, but they will eat as those wood chips break down. They would definitely yeah. eat them then. Yeah, sure, because because compost. but but I think that's misleading. And I'm not saying you were misleading. I, I read that, too. And, and I thought, no, 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 no. Come on. If they put wood chips down, that's not going to disappear overnight because of of jumping worms. Um, it, it's it's a lot of people like me. And I do this sometimes, too. I use compost as a mulch. But that will disappear very quickly. Right. Yes, you're correct. Okay. Uh, one of the guys who r- read the article I posted said, hey, this is great. This is going to be great for fishing. I don't see the problem. Uh, would you like to address that, Chris? Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, and, and they might be a good fish bait. I mean, you know, they, they are definitely active. But, you know, one of the things, and, and in my role as an extension forester and a researcher, I'm very concerned about is uh, these worms kind of establishing populations in natural lands and natural forests. And so fishing, you know, releasing worms accidentally, um, dumping your bait, these kind of things can move these worms around, into, especially into natural systems where we do have a lot of indications that they're very damaging in our forest. Um, so that's, that's the primary thing I'm concerned about, about people using these worms, would be introducing them accidentally, um, spreading them into our, our natural ecosystems here in Illinois. Yeah, and, and, and fishermen have already, and well, I'm sorry, anglers, um, to be non-gender specific here, 
um, have already done that with earthworms, haven't they, Chris? Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, recreationists in general have, have moved things around, I'm sure. So earthworms, European earthworms, a lot of other um, species. That's a it's a common thing, unfortunately. All right, give me you got like uh, forty seconds here. What do you advise people to do if they find these in their yard? Well, unfortunately, they're hard to get rid of. Um, so the big thing we recommend to people is to not move stuff around. Don't move mulch. Don't move compost. Don't share plants with other people. Try to contain them, and so we can kind of limit their spread um, throughout Illinois. And that, as you know is very difficult. I was thinking about that myself, Chris, and all the stuff I move and plants I give to people, and I'm thinking, wow, I don't know how I can do that. So I'm going to continue to, to study this, and, and I hope you keep in touch with us, too. I'd love to talk about this more. Chris Evans from the University of Illinois, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. All right. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malek. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. Sometimes with Peggy Malecki and sometimes without. Uh, mostly with. Not today. Uh, kind of a stormy day. Before I left the house today, I watched my cat crawl under the couch. <laughs> she doesn't like it very much. Um... Kathleen, I'm hoping your uh, computer has has hooked up as well. So, uh, I mean, we were there were all kinds of issues as I ran out the door, and then I came here and got soaked just coming into the studio. It's been a lot of fun already. Uh, however, I've got a, a couple of great guests here, and we're going to get back to the other half of the NOAC team um, uh, after the break. Uh, but before we do, I wanted to do a shout-out to the, I, I'm looking up, uh, and I can see uh, Ellie playing with our logos there. I see the Faith in Place logo, and uh, we're happy to be a sponsor uh, for Faith in Place, and they've got uh, some uh, great stuff coming up. They've got their event uh, coming up at the Field Museum 
In fact, let me uh, see if I normally I I would be here and I would say, um, Peggy, look that up real quick while I'm uh, while I'm tap dancing here. Um, but she's not here. But they have a green team summit on Saturday, September 14th. And Peggy and I are, are going to be at the, the green team summit on the 14th of September. And uh, they're just getting a bunch of people together at the um at the field museum and, and, and I guess hundreds, hundreds of folks. Uh, that, oh, so you're nodding. Uh, um, let's get um, Julie's mic on. Uh, you know about this then? Uh, yes. I attended a, their first one down at the field museum a few years ago when they had uh, their keynote address by Mark Charles. And that was quite well attended then. And I believe it's grown since then. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it's, it's a, it's a really big deal. So Peggy and I said, yeah, let's, let's get on board and let's, let's be part of this. So it's a lot of great uh, things coming up. In fact, they sponsored yesterday, which is where I was going with this conversation, uh, a Monarch Festival, uh, on the South side of Chicago at the South shore cultural center. And I went down there, um, almost on a whim because I had read an, uh, a, a newsletter that I got from Friends of the Parks, uh, and we've been following a lot of the issues of Friends of the Parks. And one of the there's a couple of issues, and one of them is the Obama Presidential Center in Jackson Park, and somehow related to that. And this is the interesting point, and I think it's time to get some folks on the show. And I think we're going to do that. The interesting thing is that proposed golf course PGA quality golf course on the south side of Chicago, which is supposed to take the current Jackson Park golf course and the current South Shore golf course and combine them to create a PGA quality course. Uh, unfortunately, and, and, and Tiger Woods is behind this somehow, and it keeps being linked to the Obama Presidential Center, the OPC, uh, in Jackson Park. Uh, for those of you who listen to my show, you'll know that I'm not a fan. I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy for the center. I think that's great. Not where it is. I'm not a fan of it being in Jackson Park. I, I view it as a land grab. You can argue with me all you want. This is the way I look at it. Uh, you know, this is an area that's already beautiful. Why not take an area that's less beautiful and convert it and transform it? You have the power to do that. You've got the money. But no, everybody wants, you know the nice stuff already. Um, and that's the way money works. Uh, and money also works in terms of golf courses and the idea of taking a golf course. And I, you know, I'm a duffer myself. I do love to play golf. So do, you can't come at me and say, well, you hate golf courses. No way. Quite the au contraire, let me say. Uh, and I've played Jackson Park and I played South Shore. And the great thing about those two courses is uh, they they're affordable and folks from the neighborhood can walk over and get on the course and play. And, uh, you replace it with something that's going to cost 150 bucks to get on. And I don't know what they're going to charge for it, but if it's a PGA quality course, it's going to be a lot of money and you're just going to exclude all the people in that neighborhood. And you're going to take out a natural preserve, which is there, which is one of the reasons I went down there. And I did a video yesterday at the South shore nature preserve the south shore nature sanctuary walked around took some photos did a video you can go to the the, uh, the mike novak show on facebook i did an interview with uh, a friend of mine uh mila kellen marshall 
sometimes called MK Marshall. Uh, Carolyn Marsh was there. She's one of the people who helped create this area, the sanctuary. And the sanctuary is one of the would be one of the casualties of this golf course. Uh, so I'm not a fan of that either. So it's and 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 people say, well, how are they two connected? The Obama Library and the golf course. And I say, I don't know. I just know they are in a back room with smoke and cigars. Okay, that's how they're connected. That's how these things work. The money is connecting them. And they're not apparently formally connected, but if 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 they're not connected in some way, uh, I'd be really surprised. So at any rate, that's going to be a fight as well. I think the Obama fight with the presidential center is over. Now it's uh, can you save the sanctuary, the the bird and butterfly sanctuary at South Shore? That's going to be the next question. Maybe there'll be one small victory here. Maybe it'll be like Montrose Beach and the piping plovers. All right. Well, guess what? We're talking climate change when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show. Lucky. That's not just a tree in your yard. It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett Tree Experts to care for your tree. With 120 offices worldwide, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world, and their techniques are backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories. Call for a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. If you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. Unfortunately, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in-ground trees. There's still a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypresses, and dawn redwoods. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes, such as weeping, mounding, columnar, or angular. Like I said, these are not your grandfather's conifers. If you've been to the Shedd Aquarium, the Lincoln Park Conservatory, or the Chicago Botanic Garden, you've seen some of these fantastic trees. Go to Rich's Fox Willow Pines for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e-newsletter. If you didn't hear what he's saying, it's conspicuous, ridiculous, conspicuous consumption. And that is a guy named Jack Gladstone. His album is Native Anthropology. And I just dug that up because our next guest said, oh, you got to find that. Uh, and that is Julie Nowak sitting in the studio here and uh, 
And Tom's even here uh, uh, sitting opposite. He might he might jump in from time to time. We don't know if he's moved. Uh, and if he's not, he'll, you know, he'll nod off and do whatever he needs to do over there. Uh, but Julie is a leader of the Citizens Climate Lobby. I've been meeting to get the Citizens Climate Lobby on the show for a long time, mainly because of you. But um, I, I, I run into your colleagues at various events mm-hmm. um and i always say do you know julie in in the lake uh county chapter and uh you did you you co-founded the lake county chapter uh yeah tom and i co-founded it with jim thrall from antioch um back in 2014 now not the whole organization just our chapter right no 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 i know i know <laughs> citizens climate lobby is a is a nationwide there's 400 uh, different chapters or more than 400 across the country. Um, and tell me what the Citizens Climate Lobby does. I I, I have a, a rough idea just by the name, but why don't you tell me? Sure. Um, Citizen Climate Lobby is a group of volunteers that uh, works to, you know, in shorthand, build political will for a livable world. Um, and by the way, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're making progress, you know, um, slowly but surely, but... Um, you know, certainly focused on climate change. That is our laser focus issue. And uh, we're trying to work with Congress. We have been working with Congress. They, The organization was founded in 2007 um, by a person who had worked on uh, alleviating starvation in another citizen-driven organization called Results. And um, he took the model and brought it into working on climate change. Um, this person was Marshall Saunders. He was actually trained by Al Gore after the uh, Inconvenient Truth, and he had done several presentations along that line and realized after he saw a headline where Congress had approved a tremendous amount of money to go for fossil fuels that he needed to do something more effective than convincing people to change light bulbs and ride bikes. So he brought that model into the climate change effort. And so what they do is they train normal citizens like me and Tom and hundreds of thousands of others now, um, how to work with Congress effectively to try to move them in the direction we want them to move. And we advocate specifically for a certain kind of climate change solution based on carbon fee and dividend, where you put a price on carbon at the source and then the government, instead of keeping the revenues, actually distributes them back out as monthly dividends to every um, every household in America. Yeah, I, I've been reading about that since uh, uh, I knew you were going to be on the show, and it's something I have a hard time wrapping my head around, and not because of the concept of it, but the idea that you can get anybody to buy into it, certainly in Congress. Um, it, it, one of the things you point out is that um, you don't even like politics. Yep. <laughs> not Not the traditional sense of politics. Actually, um, as a scientist, I had spent most of my life, you know, sticking my fingers in my ears going, I'm a scientist, I don't do politics. And then... But um, but, but that's that's actually a really good point about scientists. It's one of the things I love about scientists. And it's one of the things I like about bringing science up on the show is that it's the job of a scientist mm-hmm. to look at the numbers, to look at the data, and not bring in outside undue influence into what they decide. Uh, and a good scientist... We'll do that. Um, and unfortunately, we're, we're, we're getting away from that in, in this administration where there's, there's pressure being applied. to science. And a lot of scientists are just saying, well, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm out of here. And they're quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to be talking about next week, the USDA. We're going to have somebody from the Union of Concerned Scientists and talk about the 
resignations at the USDA because of these the, the policy, the decision to move it to Kansas City, um, the, the USD science offices. And, of course, that was done so the scientists would quit. And one mm-hmm. of the administration honchos said that out loud. And, you know, and it makes people crazy. Yeah. Um, probably more than anything must make scientists crazy. Um, certainly, you know, and I was involved with um, the March for Science in Chicago, and then last year there are signs convention, and, you know, there are tremendous numbers of scientifically trained people who are very frustrated by um, walking away from science and basing, you know, policy decisions on good science. But one of the key things I want to mention in terms of, you know, the science politics connection and what actually got me involved was Having attended a conference where somebody mentioned that, you know, they asked the, the small number of attendees, what is politics? And, of course, you know, we're all throwing out the typical, you know, awful stuff, you know, influence, you know, cigars in the back room and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, and then he asked somebody else who the facilitator must have known was involved, and the person said it's setting policy. And that really struck me is, you know, we have the common use of the term politics right. as very, very negative. Right. Politics is a, yeah. It's, it's a partisan, negative, actually. It's a pejorative right. is what it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in certainly as it applies to government in this country, it has partisanship very tightly bound up in it. But if you take a step back and you think of it as setting policy, that's the kind of stuff I was doing in my job. I was working with policy, and I was setting policy in the company where I worked, you know, for health and safety. Um, And that was a a light bulb moment for me was, you know what, getting involved with policy is not necessarily a bad thing. And certainly bringing information into that policy discussion is a very good thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, you you, you know, kind of tease those things apart and be careful. And I've learned to be careful when I speak to use the term partisan politics instead of just policy politics. You find that out when you do a lot of public speaking, and I get in this trap, and it it has nothing to do with politics, though. Uh, You have in your own head an idea of what you're saying, and then you realize the audience has a completely different idea of what you're saying, even, you know, just using the same word. Um, And you have to bridge that gap. You have to put yourself in the audience's uh, frame of reference and say, oh, no, I understand. Uh, and I'll tell you that mine relates to compost. And it's, I know, it's, but it's, a, you know, we, I talk about the, that on this show. Okay. I, it's not about politics at all. So when I go into a room and I talk a, to uh, a group of people and I start talking about compost and I realize I'm talking about my bin and the active uh, compost and the, and the critters moving around in there and a truck that brings in six cubic yards and dumps it in your driveway and it's steaming and it's beautiful and rich and it smells great. And then I sometimes have to pull myself up short when somebody says, but what's in a bag at the box store? And I realize, oh, my God. That's what they're thinking. Their idea of compost is what's in a bag at the at the box store. Mm-hmm. And then I have to shift my whole frame of reference and go, oh, yeah, okay. All right, well, let's talk about that bag of compost at the store and how that can help you as well. Yeah. Um, and usually that stuff is bupkis, but I'm just saying because you really want the good stuff, the, the good compost. And, and I have then – part of my job is then to, to try to train them and say – 
you know, you maybe you should move away from that idea of concept uh, or that concept of compost a little towards mine. But I know they're stuck with it because they want something they can throw in the back of a van yep. and take it home. So same thing with politics or you. Now you're talking policy and they're thinking partisanship. Right. And, you know, the other point I'd like to make, because you mentioned this, you know, trying to understand the frame of mind of your audience, the people who you're speaking to. And that could be an audience of one or it could be, you know, like, you know, we are here right now, you know, being broadcast. Um, and that's something that Citizens Climate Lobby spends a lot of time with the volunteers is trying to help us understand how to listen, mm-hmm. um, how to listen to people we may not agree with, um, how to understand maybe what their perspective is in the first place and to see them very much as humans, um, you know, with experiences and perspectives. And uh, that is where they spend a lot of time, both in terms of monthly support calls or, um, weekly university, you know, it's called Citizens Climate University kind of stuff, uh, weekly training sessions that are optional for people to attend mm-hmm. is, you know, how do you get out of your own head and open yourself up to hearing somebody else's concerns? Well, and that's part of the problem when you become an advocate. You, you so desperately want you to get your point of view across that you forget that other people have points of view as well. Right. And then, in fact, in June's lobby meeting, um, we were tasked this time with tracking what percentage of the time the um, members of Congress staff or, or the actual member spoke in the meeting versus our group and how many questions were asked. And what should be the balance? We were striving for, I believe it was 50-50. Which would, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would, yeah. That would make sense to me. And what were you getting? Um, I think the preliminary um, notes seem to suggest probably close to that, plus or minus 10%. Wow. However, the final analysis will be done in November. Uh-huh. So. Okay. Yeah. So here you are, this person who doesn't even like politics. You find yourself somehow attracted to what the Citizens Climate Lobby is doing. You have worked on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. as a liaison in the 10th District to Republicans and to Democrats. Yes. That has to be a revelation because most people, I imagine, stick with their side. It would be the easy thing to do. Um, Fortunately, our district is a swing district, so we don't have anybody who's radically too far in one direction or the other, which made it easy. I happen to get the notices from Brad Schneider. uh, Okay. So... uh, I know something about what's going on in the 10th. I don't even know how I got in. I know I met him at a, we were speaking together at something Mm -hmm. and then one of his staff handed me a card and I handed a card and suddenly I'm on the mailing list. That's how that works. Yeah. And I actually ended up very much enjoying working. I've enjoyed working with both um, the Republican. Who was it before? uh, Um, Bob Dold. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, both he and his staff were great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can say the same thing about Brad. Let's let's talk about, okay, we understand, excuse me, uh, Democratic side, but what about the Republican side? I read an article today, uh, not today, recently, uh, just a few days ago, as a matter of fact, that said the, uh, the traditional environmental Republican is dead. It doesn't, that person doesn't exist anymore. What would you say to that? Oh, I would disagree. Um, dormant, maybe, maybe quiet in some cases, but in many too, respects. Too quiet, if you ask me, but that's me. <laughs> you know, and there's a difference. This is the one thing that I've learned over the four years I've been with Citizens Climate Lobby is there's a big difference between political theater and political reality. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what makes it, you know, into the 
you know, general um, social media sphere and whatnot. Media is, you know, political theater. Um, but the reality yeah. may be Well, very yeah, because different. the cameras are always running, the microphones right. are always on. Right. And the concerns about being primaried. Um, but what we have that, heard— That is the most dangerous thing in the world, as far as I can tell right now, is the—because that, that pushes you even further into the, the niches. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's not good for democracy. No, it's not. Um, and that's one of the key things that I come away from the Citizens' Climate Lobby work, especially when we go to Washington, is coming away with that deep-seated sense of the way we're working is the way to restore democracy. It's not. Um, and how is that? Be, what, what, we go in as very non. We are nonpartisan. Okay. Um, as one aide to um, to one of the representatives some years ago said, scrupulously nonpartisan. He said it with a certain sense of regret. Um, <laughs> you know, so un, unlike some other organizations, we will not endorse political candidates. We want to be able to work freely with whoever wins the office. Um, you know, individuals more than welcome to go out and campaign for anybody they want to, but put the citizens climate lobby bling away when you do so kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and we go into every meeting with an attitude of respect, appreciation, and gratitude, and it has to be genuine. If you can't do that, you don't go into the meeting. And in fact, there have been a couple cases where I almost backed out of meetings because I was afraid that I, if I had a speaking role, I would not be nice. Um, (laughs) And, you know, interestingly, the one that I did that uh, where I said, don't give me a speaking role, because based on the information that was readily available, I thought that member of Congress was not going to be pleasant to work with at all. And what I didn't know, um, because it wasn't as readily available, was that member of Congress was a big champion of solar energy Ah. in his district. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, so give me a non-speaking role. I think I took notes or something like that. And... um, and it ended up being a very delightful meeting, actually, because then we found, you know, what we work on is we look, we find the common ground and the common values. And we start from there and then we try to move forward from there. And there are a lot of common values. Speaking of common values, can I ask a big picture question? I don't know if you can answer it. And that is climate change. What we're told is that Republicans refuse to acknowledge that it even exists uh, and which is part of the reason we can't move forward on it. Um, the science tells us it's real, it's happening. In fact, we're in dire circumstances right now. How do you address that? Um, I understand the sentiment. It feels like that sometimes, but I can say for a fact that's nonsense to categorically condemn a whole um, part of the, the whole party. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not a monolith at all. In fact, um, there are some staunch champions of work on climate change out there. Uh, former Congressman Bob Inglis is out there all the time meeting with conservatives on radio shows, you know, conservative radio shows, kind of like this. Maybe I should get you to introduce uh, – maybe you should introduce us and I should get him on this show. Oh, I don't know him personally. but And we have, you know, people who are both conservative, you know, recognized conservative and pro- uh, progressives on the advisory board for Citizens Climate Lobby, uh-huh. um, Climate Leadership Council, kind of based uh, out of some work done at University of Chicago, has a lot of um, conservatives on that. Uh, former Republican Congressman Carlos Curbelo continues to advocate for – uh, reasonable climate policy, even now that he's back in public in private life. 
There are plenty out there. Wow, this is sounding so old school here, but it's it's kind of refreshing yeah. to, to, to hear this, uh, to hear the way you're describing people uh, at work in, in our legislative halls. Okay, that is Julie Nowak from the Citizens Climate Lobby. We've got more coming up. We need to discuss the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act when we come back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Want to have a healthier, more eco-friendly Green Diva kitchen? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The main characteristics of a Green Diva kitchen are that it produces delicious food, is healthy, eco-friendly, and low stress. Let's start by using more dish towels and cloth napkins because paper products make up one-third of municipal waste. Buying bulk dry goods saves money and reduces waste. Please recycle more. An estimated 80% of what Americans throw away is recyclable, yet our recycling rate is only 28%. Consider composting. It's easier than you think, and even if you live in an urban area, there are often municipal composting programs. And, of course, always try to buy local and organic food whenever possible. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com Get out of your car and join the people of Evanston as they walk, bike, play, and celebrate green living in a car-free mile of Main Street on September 8th. Activities include exercise classes, bike activities, music, interactive art, a giant Jenga, Bollywood dance, and more. The Evanston Green Living Festival will be there with products, services, and ideas to help attendees lead more sustainable lives. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is a sponsor. Go to evanstonstreetsalive.org or find them on Facebook. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands on the radio. Repent, 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 you fossil fuel sinner. Repent, 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 you fossil fuel slave. So park your car, spread the word, carry the news, spread far. Repent, repent, you fossil fuel Oh, I got to thank Julie Nowak for that one, too. Again, that's Jack Gladstone. The album is Native Anthropology. And where did you hear this first? I heard him play at Glacier National Park in an evening program where they had him performing. And then they combined, um, you know, some of what he was doing with some slides about the the glaciers in the park. And it was actually a signpost uh, event for me in terms of my evolution into being a climate advocate there you go all right uh that one i'm saving repent you fossil fuel sinner all right we'll get right back to julie nowak in a second city grange chicago's newest and most unique garden center invites you to what to plant now parts one and two part one is seeding fall veggies yes you can still do that it's this thursday 
August 22nd from 6 to 7 p.m. You'll learn which crops to select, special tricks for fall sowing, and what to expect from your second season garden. Part 2 is Landscape Anchors, Shrubs, and Grasses. That's next Saturday, August 24th from 2 to 3 p.m. Time to demystify plant selection and how to make shrubs and grasses work for your garden. Both events are at 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. Go to citygrange.com. City Grange, learn, shop. Blossom. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. As you know, if you've been listening to the show today, Peggy is not here today. She'll be back next week. We are talking to Julie Nowak from the Citizens Climate Lobby in Lake County. We need to get to the reason you're here. But I, uh, sorry, I love learning from people about why they do what they do, especially when it comes to volunteering uh in an area that is difficult i mean i'm not making any money doing this so (laughs) you know when when you start advocating for the planet it's going to be a lot of hours a lot of hard work and probably not a lot of reward and so that's uh, and, and i understand that and that's why i want to give people voice like you and citizens climate lobby but you're talking about the uh, proposed bill, and I have to thank you. Um, I wrote to you this week about this, and you sent me some. I, I wrote some questions, and you sent some really terrific answers. And uh, I put them uh, on my website on the blog. It's sort of the Socratic method at work. And Mike asks a question, asks a question, and Julie responds to it. Um, and folks can read that, but we'll talk about some of them right now because it's about the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act, which is also known as HR seven six three, but it still hasn't been passed. Uh, you know, it's still wending its way through Congress. Uh, and you, ha- as we mentioned, you're, you're talking about things like a dividend. And, and as I mentioned at the top of our conversation, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that because I don't see. Well, explain how the dividend would work, and then I'll tell you what I think about that. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, in general, the dividend, the money for the dividend comes from fees that are placed on uh, the carbon uh, content of fuels. And let's explain the difference between a carbon fee and a carbon tax right now. Okay. Um, It kind of feels the same to most people. Um, the, so, you know, and it is, again, we're thinking of the person in the room, yep. you're, you're on the stage, you're talking, they've got a different idea in their head. They're hearing tax. You're saying fee. It, it, and so in some, some ways it feels the same. And a lot of times they're used interchangeably. And even in answering your question, I found out that even economists can get really dug into the mud on this one. Um, but the key difference that George Schultz told us was in terms of calling it a fee versus a tax is the purpose of a tax is to raise revenue for the government to do things. And if the government is not keeping these revenues, they're giving them back to American households in equal shares once a month. They're only keeping enough to, you know, write the software and, and have the people be able to distribute this like they did the stimulus checks. Um, then it's not really funding anything that the government is doing. So it's more of a fee. Um, So that's why we call it more of a carbon fee rather than a carbon tax. But realistically, you know, people are going to be, you know, seeing things change in price. 
And so the idea is we're, 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 we're putting back. a fee on carbon. If you use too much carbon, there's a fee attached to it. Well, you're not, you're not, it, so what you, you don't have to track anything. You no, know, no, you, I'm talking about businesses. I'm sorry. I, so a, right. bus, a business, so if a business is because, yeah, you're not being assessed a, right. a, a fee on uh, driving an automobile. Correct. Right. It's more about the generation of carbon by larger businesses, right? uh, Actually, at the places where the fossil fuels enter the market. Okay. Yeah, so it's about 3,000 known entities already that are already in the system for being paying other taxes and whatnot mm-hmm. that they would have to um, pay a fee starting at $15 per ton carbon dioxide equivalent and um, rising $10 every year thereafter until we get down to what is considered a safe level. Uh- and so this is all collected, and at some mm-hmm. point it's distributed to the American yep. public because why? Why should they get this back? Why should they get this back is um, we know that the fees are going to be passed on. You know, we don't hide from the idea that the fees are going to get passed on through downstream. You know, so we know we're going to be paying more for the energy to heat our house, the gasoline in our cars, you know, until we shift over to non-gas, non-internal mm-hmm. combustion engines. Um, <laughs> and But the more interesting thing that I learned through this was that accounts for maybe a third of our total energy. Um, it's all the embedded energy in everything else that we buy. So, um, But we know that those prices are going to go up. So to help people deal with the transition until we are down to low-carbon or better yet renewable energies – um, they're going to get some money back. They're going to get an equal share back of the revenues. People who are not as wealthy have a lower carbon footprint. They buy less stuff than the people who are wealthy. So for them, they're actually going to, most of them will actually do get more money back than they spend in increased costs. If you're living high on the hog, uh, a very rich life, um, you're going to be spending more money then you're going to get back from the dividend. So there's no means testing involved. Okay. And by the way, if you want more information, you can go to citizensclimatelobby.org and uh, find out about this. And they actually have a dedicated website that that they've created about this, which answers there's all kinds of questions about this. Um, How many sponsors do you have for this bill? Well, um, we are up to 59 sponsors as of August 15th. Before we went into our lobby day in June, it was 41 uh, and it was introduced by a uh, Republican and a Democrat back in January. All right. And and looking at this site, and actually there's another site called energyinnovationact.org, which you can find at citizensclimatelobby.org. Uh, they talk about the carbon fee, how the policy puts a fee on fossil fuels, uh, starts low, grows over time. Uh, the carbon dividend, money collected from the carbon fee, is allocated in equal shares every month to the American people to spend as they see fit, the border carbon adjustment to protect U.S. manufacturers and jobs. Imported goods will pay a border carbon adjustment, regulatory adjustment. The policy preserves effective current regulations like auto mileage standards, which are in the process of being gutted uh, right now by the current administration, uh, And uh, but pauses the EPA authority to regulate CO2 and equivalent emissions covered by the fee, uh, and it goes on and on and explains uh, how this works. Some people worry about the government getting involved, but the government has to get involved if you're going to get a fee uh, each month. So isn't that a huge bureaucracy you're putting in place? It's a, it, 
piggybacks on existing systems, so it's not like they're going to have to build a whole bunch of brand new um, departments or um, um, agencies to handle this. This can be done by the existing agencies, um, either within you know the internal revenue or you know they set up a carbon trust fund type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why a certain percent, why we say 100% of net revenues, because we know that probably the first couple of years, you know, somewhere between 5 and 10% of the revenues will be needed to get the new system, you know, software system and and whatnot established and working. Um, And then, you know, but that number goes down to something below 5% over time Mm -hmm. of net revenue. So, you know, it's not that it's totally absorbed by existing agencies or departments, but it is very, very small compared to um, setting up a new regulation and or a whole new agency to deal with. And, this has been tried in other places on the planet. Um, I sent you an article that where I found British Columbia mm-hmm. actually did it. Yep. The conservatives were the ones who pushed it through in British Columbia. And it has worked, the, except that that's why you talk about border protections. Yep. They need their neighbors to do this. And we're not just talking the United States. We're talking about other provinces in Canada. Mm -hmm. If they would do the same thing, it would all work a lot better. But they're out there. They're an island out there that that has imposed this uh, system. And uh, it has worked, but it can only work to a point because you need to get everybody on board. Um, Yes to needing to get more and more on board and having, you know, something that acknowledges, you know, the effect of import and export. However, in Canada, um, carbon fee and dividend became the default system for uh, Canada to deal with its um, commitments to reducing emissions. So if a province hadn't already come up with some way of putting a price on carbon um, and, you know, it could be through some sort of cap and trade or some other system – um, the Canadian national at the national level said, okay, provinces, you know, you blew us off. You didn't do anything on your own. Guess what? You're doing a carbon fee and dividend now. So Canada actually is in the process of implementing it actively. Why can't we bring their government down here? Yeah. I well, don't know. I'm just wondering. And uh, Ireland is considering it too. All right. Yeah. So people are starting to get on board with this yeah. very quickly. We've got like a minute and a half. How does this connect to the new Green Deal? Or the Green New Deal. Sorry, I keep, always get I that wrong. Too. The Green New Deal. Yeah. Um, this is already legislation that exists. It is focused strictly on the reduction of greenhouse gases. The new the Green, green new, new Deal. Yeah. I do the same thing. Good. Um, I'm glad there's somebody else has a problem yeah. with that. Um, that is a vision. That's a resolution that sets up kind of like where where some some people in the United States would like to see us get as a society, which includes reducing our dependence on fossil fuels and greenhouse gases. But it's more compre- that's more comprehensive yeah. and will require specific pieces of legislation. This is one piece of legislation. Yeah, I was on Ben Jarofsky's show and he said, what do you think of the Green New Deal? I said, it's just a proposal. I mean, it's as vague as you could be. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't pin anything down because there's right. nothing there yet. It's right. just an idea. It's a talk. It starts the discussion. Yeah. yeah. Julie Nowak from the Citizens Climate Lobby. Thank you so much. Go to citizensclimatelobby.org. 
What happens when you bring together hundreds of people from diverse faiths and walks of life across Illinois and the Midwest with the goal of healing the earth? You get the Green Team Summit, which celebrates the 20th anniversary of Faith in Place. This important gathering happens on Saturday, September 14th at the Field Museum in Chicago. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will be there. We want you to join us to fight for environmental justice. Go to faithinplace.org. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual Green Living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake, attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there, and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or a sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. When city crews are changing their schedules, you know that the climate crisis is real. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Sundays 9 to 11 on 1590 and 95.9. <laughs> Uh, this is a little CD roulette going on. It's the Mike Novak Show without Peggy Malecki on this Sunday morning. I can see the it's getting a little lighter out there. Maybe it's even stopped raining right now. So let's go to meteorologist Rick DeMaio to find out what the score is. How you doing, Rick? Uh, the score is of 10. Rain, nothing. Uh, <laughs> sun, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, a one in another hour, and probably about a five in another two or three hours. So we'll, we'll definitely see some sunshine, but the heavy rain that we had this morning uh, is pretty much gone. Pretty good, didn't it, Mike? It it came down pretty good. Uh, I got about. I was checking my rain gauge, and it was about an inch and a half when I made my way yeah. over to the studio. Yeah, yeah, and, and not only that, um, it was an inch and a half of well needed rain. I thought it was interesting. When I was actually walking out uh, early this morning with my dog, it was kind of curious to see how the rain was actually literally running off the lawns. It was coming down so fast. Uh, and many of the lawns are, are most likely, you know, obviously we know that they haven't had much rain lately. The ground is so dry that the rain was actually uh, not soaking into the wa- into the soil, Contrary to what we saw back in late April and May when it wasn't soaking into the soil because it was too wet, this time it wasn't soaking into the soil because it was too dry and too hard. So 
a complete reversal of the pattern over the last month and a half. Yeah, yeah, and it's and uh, as you said, we're we're starting to see some of the uh, uh, the lawns dry out. And I will tell people that uh, if your lawn starts to go brown, let it go. Uh, one of the, yeah, there's no need for it to stop. Well, yeah, it it goes dormant and then it comes back when the rains come. And while it's dry, the beetles that lay eggs uh, that turn into grubs uh, will leave your lawn alone. They're looking for someplace moist. Uh, and so that's yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a great point at that point. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you noticed, but you know, early in the year we were talking about how bad the mosquitoes were getting, and in the last couple of weeks they they weren't that particularly much of a nuisance. Did you notice that as well? I have, no, yeah, I have not had a serious mosquito. I, I can't remember being bitten, uh, and uh, so now I got to knock on. I'll hit a ding there, and just in case, I'm just going to knock on wood here because I'll, I'll walk out today, and because of this rain or tomorrow, I'm going to get hammered. All right, bye. Yeah, knock on mosquito netting. Right? But actually, we we did that. I had that at the top of the show for folks listening. That was Monty Python, and I I played a little okay. Monty Python about the mosquito hunters, and of course they bring out the heavy artillery. Uh, um, <laughs> It's pretty funny. I, I was uh, cruising uh, YouTube and, and tracked that, and I said, okay, yeah, I can use that for the show. And is there a difference between an African and a European mosquito, or is that just with the swallows? There, there's a lot of different uh, uh, species of mosquito. Uh, I'm not the mosquito expert. I could track that down, <laughs> but, but there are various... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were leading me down. Okay, never mind. Oh. <laughs> and now for something completely no. different. Uh, right. You remember when when the guy when he's holding on to the two empty heads of coconuts and he says that a that a swallow brought them in, and then he asked him which kind of a swallow was an African European. That's where I was going with that. Oh, okay. okay. See, so you you know more about you've got Monty Python burned into your brain better than I do. Uh, so uh, here. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, and part of that is because I was at uh, the College of Lausanne yesterday because uh, I teach a couple of classes, and you know, you, you put a bunch of science guys there. Um, next thing you know, we're talking about Monty Python. But one of the guys who was there, Paul Hamill, uh, is the director, not the director, but the Department of Natural Sciences at McHenry County Community College. Uh, I heard. Hey Rick, uh, yeah, Rick, hey, Rick, 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 I gotta stop. Rick, I gotta stop you. You're you're breaking up like crazy. Uh, are you in a particularly bad cell area? No. How about this? Is that a little bit better? That sounds better right now. If it stays that way, okay. Uh, where were yeah, you? Yeah stay, there. yeah, stay right there. Don't oh, move. Put okay. put the right. tin, tin so, foil right, yeah, hat on. Okay. Uh, I'm not moving. Okay. Um, yeah, I was I was up at the College of Lake County yesterday. Because um, I teach a couple of classes there, and one of the professors in our department up there is Paul Hamill, who's head of the physical natural science department up at McHenry County Community College. And I was referring to the fact that Peg's PSA just a couple of minutes ago was talking about, um, I guess, the upcoming sustainability right. conference that I right. know is coming up. Yeah, yeah. And Paul does a lot of great work, and there's a pretty good chance that maybe not this semester, but probably the semester after or if not next summer or the following fall, they're finally going to offer a climate change class online, uh, and it looks like I may be teaching that. Um, so one of, the, one of the great things about teaching that course is I've been getting it ready for my Loyola students is 
I basically have to rewrite that course by just about every six months. If it's not so much dealing with weather, and here we just got, you know, new information in that the Arctic sea ice uh, is almost as low as it has ever been since dating back to 1979, uh, or the fact that uh, the month of July just came in as the warmest uh, month ever yep. since we've been basically reevaluating um, and re what we want to call it re reanalysis of of monthly climate data. This goes all the way back to 1880, uh, and also now the month of July for the state of Alaska just came in as the warmest ever. So again, even though we're not seeing hot and humid weather here in the Midwest. Uh, It's been incredibly hot down across the central plains and the southern plains. Uh, And we've been actually in a fairly pleasant pattern now. I think you can agree since about the second or third week of July, uh, it's been fairly pleasant. Nothing in the way of an extreme heat, nothing in the way of an extreme humidity. Uh, And it's almost going to go down. People people usually remember the summer uh, on the back end of it. They'll probably go, you know, this summer wasn't too bad. But if you're talking to anybody who needs the entire summer, like farmers, to give a real good gauge about what it's been, uh, you know, what kind of summer it's been, it's been another topsy-turvy summer. So, again, not so much change, but definitely extreme variability. And that's what we've been seeing not only here in the Midwest, but in North America and also the rest of the world as well. Yeah, let me ask you a really quick question. Last week you said there there was a report coming out on Monday that was going to turn the markets upside down, and we've got Tom Nowak. But apparently that did not happen. So, uh, uh, well, well, I, 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 I think I think what happened was um, the crop report gave more questions than answers. Um, it it pro- it provided information that showed that we had 11.3 million acres that were not planted. The previous number or the previous record was 3.8, but they're still looking for a fairly good harvest in the areas that was planted. However, the areas that were not planted, obviously they're even at this point uh, beginning to basically uh, churn up or at least dig up those crops. So I still don't think that we have a really good idea of what the overall crop will be until we get to harvest time. And that's really more so when the yield begins to come in. The yield is still going to be lower than what it has been and definitely lower than what the trend has been uh, but from what I can tell, 4% less corn and 19% less soybeans. And still, those are not good numbers, especially when you add on uh, the confusing tariffs that are going back and forth between right. us and China. All right. Uh, Tom Nowak, write that down. you got like 30 seconds for a forecast here, Rick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, weather obviously becoming much, much more quiet uh, after the thunderstorms that we had this morning. Uh, if you're heading down to the air and water show, you should be fine. Uh, the rain has passed off to the east. Cold front comes through tomorrow morning. That'll initiate more thunderstorms, but it definitely looks like mid to upper 80s possible later on today when the sun comes out. The most likely high 80 today, upper 70s tomorrow, and then basically near normal, if not below normal, for the next six to 10 days temperature-wise, Mike. All right. Thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you next week. I want to thank everybody on the show today, the Nowaks, Chris Evans, and folks in the uh, Andrew and Ellie. Until next time, go green or go home. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.